Hey guys, and welcome to Happy Hour with Ashley. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? I'm coming at you real and unfiltered to talk about self-care, mental health, and everything in between. This podcast is designed to encourage, educate, and uplift each and every person that listens. I'm coming from both a clinical and a personal point of view to discuss various matters dealing with mental health, self-esteem, self-care, and everything in between, things that happen in life. Happy Hour is here to let each listener know that no matter what you may be going through, you can turn your obstacles into triumphs. So go ahead and like, share, subscribe, write a review, do all those great things, but just make sure you listen. All right. Hey, 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 how are you? Happy hour listeners. Today we are featuring a super awesome guy. His name is Jared Washington. He's a licensed professional counselor. I worked at worked at the hospital with him for a few years and I also took um, a few classes while we were in our grad program. He was a little bit ahead of me, but um, we had a couple classes together, but Jared Washington is a licensed professional counselor and he received his Master of Arts of Clinical Mental Health Counseling from Argosy University. He received his Bachelor's of Art from Rampo College of New Jersey in Psychology with a minor in African American Studies. He has over nine years of experience in the mental health field and has worked in various clinical environments such as psychiatric hospitals, insurance providers, and foster care agencies. Jared's committed to working with diverse populations, such as adolescents and adults dealing with depression, bipolar disorder, stress management, substance abuse, racial identity, life transitions, trauma, and men's issues. He has a passion for helping others reach their full potential. He thoroughly believes in standing the healing process and helping you develop and maintain stability in order to become your best self. Jared believes he was pushed spiritually into the field of behavioral health. He always had a desire to help others and to give back. However, he was unsure of the capacity to do so. After working in a psychiatric hospital, he knew he wanted to help those with mental illnesses and therefore decided to pursue his master's degree. Jared believed he found his purpose in life to help others be the best that they can be through talk therapy. So today we got Jared on and we're going to be talking about intergenerational trauma like this episode is going to be amazing and I'm so excited for you guys to listen. So just stay tuned after these brief ads. Did you know that Happy Hour is coming out with a self-care box? Well, Happy Hour's Let Me Love On Me box is a therapist-curated self-care box of goodies that aims to illustrate just how easy it is to take a moment all to yourself and increase happiness, self-love, and reduce stress. Each box is a unique mix of self-care goodies that are designed to bring more happiness into everyday life and different tools to motivate and take care of yourself. Because remember, nobody's gonna love you like you love you. So you'll get various different things in each box you know, varying between self-care wellness goodies, mindfulness and gratitude and happiness and self-love activities, positive affirmations. There might be some health, self-help books, different things. And we have boxes for men and women.
All right, welcome back, Happy Hour. Like I was telling you before the break, we have a super awesome guest on, um, Jared Washington. He's a licensed professional counselor. I think I met you at the Peach, or did I meet you in Snow? I met you at the Peach first. We both worked at an inpatient facility first, and then we ended up having one of our classes together yep. in our master's program. So, Jared, introduce yourself to the Happy Hour listeners. How you all doing? Um, again, my name is Jared Washington, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. I uh, received my bachelor's from Ramapo College of New Jersey with a uh, major in psychology and minor in studies. I received my master's in, uh, from Argosy University Atlanta campus with, um, with a concentration, well, not a concentration, but with the, with a, pretty much a major of clinical mental health counseling. Um, I work in a private practice serving um, adolescents and adults, um, primarily focusing on depression, trauma, bipolar disorder, stress management, uh, racial identity or racial issues, and um, men's issues, as well as, um, I think I said already stress management, but yeah, those are the main, my main, main points that I um, focus on, and that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for jumping on and, you know, giving us your knowledge today. Mm-hmm. So happy hour when I was looking for different things to talk about for this new season. You know, I was, you know, chatting with Jared. I had been wanting to get him on for a while now. And he brought up the topic of intergenerational trauma. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And so, Jared, what is intergenerational trauma? So um, when I talk about this topic, I also like to just give like just definitions right of what intergenerational trauma is but also just the root of what trauma is period right and so before i even get into intergenerational trauma i'm just going to give a a pretty much a a good definition of what trauma is and then i'll get into um, what intergenerational trauma and and the definition of intergenerational trauma if that's cool Um, okay yeah, so trauma, right? Trauma is a Greek word meaning, um, or a Greek word for wound. Um, it's a deeply distressing or disturbing, disturbing experience. Individual trauma results from an, in, an event, a series of events, or a set of circumstances experienced by an individual as physically or emotionally harmful or life-threatening with lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. So that's what trauma is, right? It's a it's a it's a set of circumstances or an experience or a distressing experience that causes um, or that affects individuals functioning mentally, physically, socially, emotionally, and spiritually, right? <clears throat> so now, when we talk about intergenerational trauma, that is pretty much a traumatic event that began years prior to the current generation and has impacted the ways in which individuals within a family understand, cope with, and heal from trauma, right? And so, so like slavery. Yeah, so that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because slavery would be the would be the historical traumatic event when we're talking about African Americans in this country. So slavery would be would be that. And intergenerational trauma is how um the effects from slavery have been passed down through different generations within the family or even within the community okay yep that's deep yeah absolutely absolutely so so when we talk about you know like we said trauma 
is like an, a very disturbing and distressing event that affects you mentally physically emotionally whereas intergenerational trauma is something that began before this current generation how what does that really look like mm, that's a good question and so pretty much what that looks like is um it's it's practices within a family that resulted that resulted from that traumatic event right so i'll give an example right and this is i don't want to say it's unrelated but it's related so uh one of my one of a colleague of mine was telling me how her um parent was sexually assaulted when they were when she was younger right and by her father right and it must have happened with in uh like in a bathroom or a room right where the door wasn't locked so this parent taught her daughter every time you go into a bathroom or every time you go into a room make sure you lock the door oh that's an example of what that looks like so it's so question yeah. sorry i don't mean to cut you off but so basically like so with the same kind of basis if somebody was like sexually assaulted or molested as a child and they felt like their parents didn't protect them they probably are maybe overprotective of their child thinking that's going to happen to them would that fall into that absolutely yes okay that's that's okay a good a good example yep okay well then that occurs a lot and i mean just with breaking it down and me understanding it a little bit better i actually see that this occurs a lot absolutely absolutely um i went to a, a continuing education and where um where the the the, the speaker talked about african americans being overprotective or super protective of children and she correlated it with during slavery children were taken from their family and sold right and so that can just give you an example of of, of this sense of intergenerational trauma or this concept of intergenerational trauma where you know um we as african americans are overprotective of our children possibly because children were taken from their families or take, taken from their parents during slavery right and so i think that's another way that we can look at it as well okay so when we talk about that i understand that obviously intergenerational trauma could come from any ethnic background or anything like that but how do you feel like it impacts the african-american community mm. that's a good question i think that i think it impacts the african-american community and and multiple and multiple ways right again we're talking about this historic this historic traumatic event of slavery and how it impacted how it still impacts us today right and so we have to when we talk about this we also have to bring up the the topic of systematic oppression so we experienced this this traumatic event for hundreds of years about i want to say about 300 to 400 years of slavery right and for some of us as african americans that at that time that's all we knew right and so how did how do we make how did this country maintain that order or how did this country maintain this sense of racial trauma or intergenerational trauma and then maintain it through systems of oppression how it affects us today is we still exhibit some of those trauma responses right and and we still and we still feel the impact of those of those of those of systematic oppression right and so how it impacts us today distrust of police right depression anger low self-esteem 
distrust of institutions, anxiety, fear, substance abuse, unhealthy ways of coping with emotions and negative repeated patterns of behaviors and beliefs, right? And so, yeah. I was gonna say, I definitely see that like with the the distrust of, cause actually before you even said that part, I was sitting there thinking about, you know, nowadays how we're so fearful of the police and things like that, especially in the African-American community, because you think about in the past, things were happening and now things are still occurring that, you know, honestly make no sense. And they, you know, some of them, I'm not saying all of them are bad, but some of them, you know, get away with murder and just things like that. So it just continues to add that distrust. And I don't have any kids, but I know people that are parents that have said, especially raising young black boys, that they teach them, you know, what to say, what to do, how to act if they get pulled over. And that just instills additional fear into that child coming from that parent. So I definitely see how that distrust factor plays. I definitely, the unhealthy coping skills too. If you're not actually treating it or, you know, processing it, you're gonna, try to figure out ways to cope and sometimes it's not good with the substance abuse and different things like that so yeah just when you said that that just rang a bell in my head <laughs> yeah and, to, and and even to go back right um when we talk about the just two things that you brought up that i want to touch on and when you talk about the distrust of police right if we think about it from a historical perspective during um slavery we had overseers right and can be like a, a, a correlation or or or, di- or direct yeah direct correlation of the police we see today it's 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 pretty similar in terms of of in terms of how they operate right um still differences but still similar in terms of how they operate and so but even i wanted to touch on how if if we think about a child right and let's say for an example i'm sitting in a car with my mother as a child and and my mom gets pulled over by the police and she starts to exhibit signs of anxiety I start to take on that, right? Oh, yeah. I, sense, I sense that and I take on that. So now I correlated interactions with police brings on the emotion of anxiety. That is the epitome of how intergenerational trauma works. Yeah. Right? And, and so, um, and there was another piece I wanted to touch on that um, you talked about, um, you said um, unhealthy ways of coping, uh-huh. right? Yeah, we have, or we have unhealthy ways of coping because we never truly as African-Americans or black people within this country, we never had a true opportunity or a true time within history or even now where we had a period of time to actually heal from the wounds of the traumatic event of slavery and a systematic oppression that still occurs today is more of, a lack of acknowledgement whereas we um this country pretends or acts as these things did not happen or they give off the sense of well it happened so many years ago just get over it yeah Um, or pull yourself up from your bootstraps and and you know it's over now so it's not happening now it's not happening anymore so you should be able to function as a normal um human being not taking into account that we never truly heal from it and that we're still um affected by it till this day i definitely agree with that for sure i think it also has to do with in the african-american community the the stigma on mental health especially for men you know first of all there's a stigma for mental health and for men in general but especially for the african-american community you know 
we were taught like, I know at least I was taught like whatever goes on in the house stays in the house you don't tell people your business or you know not everybody but I know some boys are taught not to cry and to be tough and to be strong so even just putting that into the play leading to unhealthy coping skills because they're not either recognizing whatever their triggers or their traumas are and going through the process of going to therapy to get help for it so I think that also plays into it too yeah absolutely and that goes back to that um when i when i said the the distrust of institution right and why like and, and you can ask yourself well why is that because you can look at how um africans were treated african americans were treated in the in the medical field mm-hmm. right still um, to this day do you know that black women you know uh, that through pregnancy they die more than any other race like still absolutely so that, yeah mm-hmm absolutely yeah we're, we're we're still seeing it we're, we're still seeing it and, and we saw it and so that's why you have this distrust of institutions which can which can lead which is one factor into why african americans don't acquire mental health services yeah because it's like it's like think about think about times or or um not experiences but think about times where you got uh like the tuskegee experiment right um, you could also think about where um, you have Marion Sims. He's labeled as, I believe that's his name, Marion Sims. He's labeled, he's labeled as the father of gynecology. He practiced on African bodies, African-American bodies to, 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 um, to get the, the, uh, the, the results or to get the, the information that he has to, to practice gynecology, right? So if you have all of these all of these um, instances where black and brown bodies were tested on in the medical field or by institutions, then you then it's it's innate for us to have that distrust of institutions, coupled with the um, coupled with where that that you know you said that um, we we have that you know don't tell don't you know keep it in the family right because again we have that distrust of institutions we don't we don't trust it. And it goes back to that question, well, why? And we have to look at it from a historical perspective. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like the same thing, like when we learned when we were in our master's program, sometimes things can be environmental and things like that. So like you said, with the, the mom pulling over and the child feeling the mom's, you know, anxiety. And so from that, they form it. The same thing, you know, with the doors being locked and they're teaching their child to do that or all those things play into a part. And then if you come to the point where you don't trust institutions and you've dealt with all those things for your whole life, that was given to you or taught to you by your parent because of whatever they perceived and received the trauma as. It's just like a never ending cycle kinda. Mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. And also to just further go um, to answer that question when we ask how does this show up in African Americans today or how does it impact African Americans today you know African Americans are subjected to poor health outcomes as well as financial outcomes due to slavery coupled with continuous systems of oppression which leads to the the different the the different um, examples that I gave right but we all you know, we, we also have to highlight the fact that, you know, it impacts us, you know, in ways where we have, you know, um, poor health out- outcomes and, you know, we're subjected to poverty and things of that nature. Now, that's not to say that everybody, every African-American is subjected to po- poverty. You know, we do have anomalies, but we have to take into account, again, these systems 
of oppression. Like when we talk about like redlining, when we talk about, you know, Jim Crow laws, when we talk about mass incarceration and substance abuse. And, and when I talk about substance abuse, I'm talking more so like the war on drugs and the crack epidemic and, um, you know, the school to prison pipeline and things of that nature. COINTELPRO and the FBI and how they were assassinating black leaders and infiltrating black movements and, you know, just and and um, and, and, and bringing them down or destroying them from the inside out. You know, so, you know, we all, we have to take all of this into account when we talk about um, <clears throat> when we talk about intergenerational trauma based off of the historical traumatic event of slavery and how that is coupled with systems of oppression and how that still impacts us today. Because uh, however, because even though slavery is over, we're still being re-traumatized on a daily basis. That's why I know for me, I don't watch um, police brutality videos, right? I don't watch videos of um, black and brown bodies being mutilated or being brutalized and things of that nature because what we're doing is we're just re-traumatizing ourselves. The media yeah. portrays what they, the media portrays how, what, what they portray how they want the masses to see black people or how they want the masses to see black people. And so we have to be very aware of that because then we can start to internalize that. Right. I know, for example, I gave um, I was talking to one of my friends and I was telling them, I'm like, I'm like, even like we talk about how how um, white people may get um, may feel uncomfortable when they see black black kids, like people in like hoodies. Right. Because the media has portrayed that's what a criminal may look like. Mm-hmm. with a hoodie on or all black clothing and things of that nature to the point where they portray it so much that even us as African-Americans may get uncomfortable when we see people that look like that. Or when we True. see that may may um, may take on or may express like what the media portrays um, a criminal to look like, right? And so, you know, again, that goes back to us internalizing that stuff. And so we, we just have to be aware of that and I think it's important that we talk about stuff like intergenerational trauma so that we are aware of this concept and know how it affects us so that we can begin to heal from it, you know? I definitely agree. So what do you think are the healing practices and solutions for this? Well, I think I think what's important is that um, we first talk about how the the um the field of mental health develops their interventions and healing practices without the without the um without black people in mind right mm-hmm. all about the dominant culture and the dominant culture is white people right um so when we're talking about interventions and things of that nature they're really talking about how to effectively treat the dominant culture and of course you have classes and things of that nature and i'm sure you took it and i know i took it it's actually mandatory when you take multicultural um, yeah right and it talks about and it talks about it it talks about um interventions but then they say yeah well this is how you this is how you treat african americans or this is how you treat asian americans these are cultural things that you um, should take away or is to take into consideration when treating these specific cultures, right? But what it negates is that what it negates is that every African American person is not the same. Very true. Right? Me and you are not the same. So 
what made so we can still have cultural differences within our culture just based on region that, based on where we're yeah, from how we were raised all types of all stuff. types of stuff right and so it doesn't take that stuff into consideration it just says well when you're working for african-american look at just look at this culture or take into consideration these cultural differences but it doesn't again it doesn't uh, take into consideration that all African Americans aren't the same. We're not synonymous. So when we're talking about healing practices and solutions, we first need to be uh, culturally competent, right? We need to not on not only just um, take into consideration the broad culture of African Americans, but the individual culture of the actual client that we're working with, right? Okay. So when treating um, african-american or black people who have a long history of intergenerational trauma clinicians must culturally and aware of the history of black people right so we need so as clinicians we need to understand that there is a historical component there right and and take that into consideration when working with um with people of color or black people uh they will we must, as clinicians, we must also think about the socio-political component when treating anxiety and depression in Black people. We have to take into consideration racial trauma and systems of oppression and how that can generate symptoms of depression and anxiety, right? Because if you got to think about like microaggressions and stereotyping and things of that nature and how that in like in the workforce or or in the workplace rather or just even in the communities or just even at like a a, a grocery store or a, a, or the mall when you're trying to shop like some of those microaggressions and stereotyping and how that plays on the psyche or how that plays on the on the mentality of African Americans and black people. So again, we must think about the socio and political component when treating anxiety and depression in black people. But also, um, <clears throat> or furthermore, we must explore the intergenerational effects as being not only psychological, but also social, neurobiological, biological, and cultural. And but also we should um clinical treatment um should promote reconciliation validation and recognition of lived and living experience of loss mm-hmm. also should be um uh, a part of the healing solutions and practices and um also clinicians should seek to collaborate and i think this is a, an important one but i'm so i'm i'm, I'm really going to hone in on this one but clinicians should um should seek to collaborate with the individual and the community in healing process that addresses the long legacy of physical, sexual, mental, cultural, and spiritual exploitation across all systems of oppression. So when we're working with um, um, our clients who identify American Black, we have to we have to think about the the environment or the community as a whole, right? Because our environment. Um, plays into how we how we interact or and or definitely or behave, right so we have to take that all into consideration and the last thing that I have here and this is and this is all stuff that I've gathered in my research through different articles things of that nature so 
I don't want to make it seem like this is stuff that I just developed, but this is more more so stuff that I've researched. Um, but also treating the family as a whole, utilizing family systems in a culturally competent manner, right? Because when we're talking about intergenerational trauma, we can't just work with the individual. I think we should also work with the family because stuff yep. that's being passed down through different um through through um through the family. So when um working with our client, we have to at some point we have to take in the family dynamic take into consideration the family dynamic and potentially start working with the family so that we can not only just pass down this trauma but we can also pass down healing yeah yep i definitely agree all that sounds amazing so with with just even with that um i'm not sure and i don't know if you're sure or if there even is outlets like that for clinicians do they have like you know things we can go to seminars and things like that to learn more about this so we can be better equipped as a clinician to help our um our clients with this um yeah i mean there's definitely articles out there that talks about this um there's definitely um like i said i went to a ceu um a continuing education workshop where um there was a speaker who actually spoke for from it was like from nine to five you know she spoke for eight hours on just all of this stuff you know definitely Mm -hmm. workshops out there there's definitely research out there um, you know, um, that, that clinicians can tap into in order to learn more about this stuff so that we can, um, you know, be the best that we can be, be the best clinicians that we can be for people of color or black people or people that identify as African-American. Absolutely. And what would you suggest for the actual client if they, you know, are dealing with these things and, and, believing that they have some intergenerational trauma or just want to start getting on the road to healing and things like that like what kind of obviously going to therapy but what kind of other outlets would there be for them talking with their elders talking with the, okay. um, with the elders in their family um, tr- um trying to connect some dots why is it that i feel like this when certain situations arrive why do i react like this when certain um when certain when i experience certain things start to ask your mom your grandma or your granddad and your dad questions like ask them about their experiences when growing up right and also educating and validating um some of the experiences that we as a people have experienced through the history of this country for sure i definitely agree with that too wow so it's just a lot like you know with everything that you've broken down and just understanding more about intergenerational trauma like trauma alone is you know like you said deeply distressing and disturbing and it affects you mentally physically emotionally all of those things and then this is just an even further dynamic of trauma and you think about you know maybe something you didn't necessarily go through yourself but it was instilled in you from your parents or your grandparents or things like that and then you think about maybe if you had something and you might be doing the same thing to your child and so it's like that repeating cycle that continues on so we have to figure out as a society and as you know us as clinicians and us in the african-american community how to break that cycle and become free from absolutely. it absolutely absolutely that's that's awesome do you have anything additional to add on to about maybe anything i didn't ask about intergenerational trauma or anything that you just want the listeners to know about intergenerational trauma absolutely um i think one last thing that i did not touch on which is i think extremely important 
um, and we don't have to go too in depth with it. But knowing that when when we're talking about intergenerational trauma, this is not something that just like happens uh, socially. Um, this is also something that is encoded in our epigenetics in our DNA, right? Or our epigenetics in our DNA. Um, this is something, uh-huh. yeah, like this is something that actually um, is has been instilled in us genetically. Um, when, and when we talk about epigenetics, and so when I say epigenetics, it doesn't, um, I, I mean that it doesn't disrupt the DNA process or it doesn't um, destroy your DNA or, um, or, 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 or changes it. What, it. what it does, it just encodes within our epigenetics or simply places markers, um, the experiences that, that um, our elders may have experienced, places markers in, in the DNA, in the epigenetics of the, of the offspring that comes after. So I think that's um, definitely something to highlight um, and understand as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. So I know you said that you're in private practice and I know for all my listeners, Jared's in Atlanta, um, but I also saw that you did get, you know, I guess like licensed um, in Jersey where you're from for, I guess, during COVID or whatever for this yes. time period. Yes. I... All right. So are you taking clients for intergenerational trauma or any other type of specialties that people are looking for? Are you currently taking? Absolutely. Clients? I'm definitely taking clients um, um, as of right now um, who may be experiencing, you know, again, depression, um, symptoms of bipolar disorder, um, anxiety, um, <clears throat> trauma related stress and things of that nature um, and then of course intergenerational trauma but more so when we're talking about intergenerational trauma that's something that people aren't really that aware of uh, brought to yeah. them whereas you know and um, it even takes time for clinicians to really identify that as well but I'm, I'm definitely accepting clients I also am um, have my own business which I meant to highlight in the beginning um, it's called Hope um, and it stands for healing, outreach, purpose, and empowerment. And within that business, I um, uh, I uh, am available to do speaking engagements on this topic of intergenerational trauma. So I want to highlight that as well. And um, you can definitely find me on my Instagram at j.washington.hope. Um, so feel free to follow, contact me, ask me questions and things of that nature. And I will um, happily engage with you. Okay. And do you have any other social media outlets or is that the main one? They can uh, that's the main you one you can find me at. I mean, you can also find me on Facebook, Jared, J-A-R-E-D, Washington. So you can find me on there. And again, you can ask me questions, um, provide me feedback on anything or any of the stuff that I uh, promote or talk about. So yeah, you can find me on those two platforms. Awesome. Any other contact info you want to leave or you good with those? I'm good with those. If you want a, a session, okay. um, you can definitely contact me on my uh, social media outlets and, um, and I can definitely uh, point you in the right direction to schedule. Awesome. Well, Jared, thank you so much. Like when I tell you this was such an interesting topic when you brought it up to me and I was like, I definitely have to do this one. Um, I'm, I'm since I've moved um, since I left Atlanta, you know, and I started working for the VA, 97 percent of my caseload has mm-hmm. trauma. And I mean, that's understandable because it's military. But surprisingly, you know, the majority of them have trauma that occurred before the military. And then once they got in 
the trauma, you know, got increased or intensified by the additional traumas they got from, you know, yeah. the military. So trauma has been a big um, research thing for me lately. And that's why when you brought up the intergenerational trauma, I was just like, oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. So it was awesome. It definitely the when you broke it down and explained things to me, it definitely makes a lot more sense when you see the different ways especially like how about the one with um parents won't let their kids go to sleepovers and spend a night with nobody because of what yeah. happened to them so that they're instilling that fear into their kids and stuff so it's just it's it's crazy how it's it all makes sense and i love the way you broke it down so and i hope the listeners love it too because like i learned something today i'm sure they all learned something today yeah. too um is there anything that you want to leave us with or anything before we you know in this um take care of yourself you know um again uh take care of yourself talk to if you're if you feel like this is something that that you can relate to if you feel like this is something that you've experienced or whatever or or i feel like we all experience let me say that um we all experience (laughs) but if you feel like this is something that that hit home for you uh talk to your elders about it you know um you know just question them um and when i say question them just ask them questions about their experiences and see how it can relate to how you know your experiences are today awesome well jared thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your perspective and information on intergenerational trauma i definitely appreciated it and i'm pretty sure my listeners are going to appreciate it too so thank you again for jumping on and happy hour peace out Thanks for tuning in to the episode today. Be sure to go follow me on all my social media handles. On Twitter, it's Happy Hour Ash, spelled with A-S-H-E. On Instagram, it's Happy Hour with Ashley. You can find me on Facebook at Therapy with Ashley. And my website's www.ashleyjohnsoncounseling.com. If you want to go ahead and be a supporter of me financially and this podcast to help us grow, go ahead and click the link under details or you can go to anchor.fm slash happy hour with Ashley slash support. That's anchor.fm slash happy hour with Ashley slash support. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, Apple reviewers, write me a review and make sure you listen. Have a great day.